Our first lesson appointed for this fourth Sunday after the Epiphany is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat off food offered to idols? So by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were all astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they were questioning among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee. Oh, Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. As I mentioned in the introduction to the service, in these, evangel these uh, epiphany gospels, we hear a lot of great accounts of evangelism. The gospel going out and being heard and being believed. So we heard, for example, at the epiphany of the Magi, who came from far countries, following a star, following God's word, and coming to Jesus and worshiping him. 
I preached about the conversions of Philip and Nathanael, called to be disciples of the Messiah, Jesus. Last Sunday, Pastor Packer told us about one of the greatest conversion accounts in the entire Bible, an entire city, the city of Nineveh, coming to repentance and faith in God as Savior. In this gospel lesson today, Jesus is preaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, and people are hearing, and people are believing, and his fame is spreading throughout Galilee. Christianity is, as I said two Sundays ago, or uh, yes, two Sundays ago, a messianic faith. Christ means Messiah. It's a faith that came from the Jews, for the Jews, and for all the nations. From person to person, from town to town, from country to country, and wherever it has gone, it has brought change. With that change, there is always growth, and with growth, there is always growing pains. And here's where I have to tell you that my title in the bulletin is wrong. Uh, I changed course after giving that to our secretary, so you might want to scratch the title about uh, infiltrating and uh, isolating. Change it to this, managing growing pains with Christ's faith and love. Uh, the first lesson I read from 1 Corinthians might have sounded a little bit strange to your ears. Let me fill in a little bit about the background of what's going on there and why this is an important lesson for us to hear today. When sin came into the world, it was immediately followed by sacrifice. It has always been sacrifices that have covered sin and forgiven sin. So when Adam and Eve sinned, the first sacrifices that ever happened in this world happened when God took some animals, killed them, and used their skins to cover Adam and Eve. In fact, the word in the Hebrew Bible, atonement, literally means to cover. That's one way to think about forgiveness. And so God gave these sacrifices, and in the Bible, sacrifices are always either for sin or for thanksgiving to God who saves us and forgives us of our sins. So Abraham sacrificed, and God gave the people of Israel through Moses sacrifices. And again, these sacrifices are always the sacrifices of sin, forgiveness, and thanksgiving for forgiveness. Now, some people would have you to believe, and I mentioned this earlier in another sermon, that religion is just a man-made thing and it's always been evolving. Now, that's based on a wrong presumption, and it's wrong for two reasons. First of all, if there's no God, as many people who believe that religion is a man-made thing and evolves, if there's no God, then why in the world would anybody imagine there is a God and if there is a God, wouldn't it make much more sense that there's one God who begins with one true religion, but human beings decide to rebel against God and they spin off into all sorts of other religions that are simply twisted versions of the one true faith. That's a better explanation of the things that we see in the history of the world, especially when we compare the religion of the Bible with, the with all other religions. 
They are starkly different on at least two major points. First of all, in the Bible, there's always and only one true God. And in the Bible, sacrifices are always sacrifices for forgiveness. The biblical religion is a religion of redemption, a religion of forgiveness of sins, where, as in all other religions, there are multiple gods and the sacrifices, especially the ancient sacrifices and even the more modern versions of those, are sacrifices to earn favors, to earn the favors of their deity, whatever it may be. When Paul came to Corinth, he encountered these twisted versions of God in the forms of temples and idols. And these people were offering all sorts of sacrifices. In many cases, they were offering more sacrifices than the people of the Bible. But as I said, their sacrifices were never for forgiveness. Their sacrifices are to earn divine favors from their gods. Now, Paul preached very carefully that there's only one true religion, one true God, and one true Christ, one final sacrifice that bring, brings the forgiveness of sins to all the people of the whole world who had ever lived. That, in fact, any other sacrifices, even the sacrifices of the Bible, were a foreshadowing of this one true sacrifice. Anything else, any other sacrifice is a sacrifice, as Paul says, to demons and not to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I do not want you to be participants with demons. And this is what brings the, to uh, the Corinthians a big problem. Because if you wanted to eat meat in the city of Corinth, all of the meat was a meat that had been sacrificed in one of those temples. And then it had been sent to the marketplace where people could buy it. And so the Corinthians were wondering, we're not supposed to be associated with demons, but I want to eat some chicken or some beef with my meal. How am I going to do that? Well, here's where our text comes in. Concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. And so Paul's short answer to the question, can we eat meat sacrificed to idols, is a simple yes. Yes, because idols are nothing. But the other problem with this is people's understanding of all of that. And so Paul then launches into the question of weaker Christians and stronger Christians and the growing pains of those who are troubled, who are still growing, who may be weak in faith, but are still coming to the full understanding of what it means to be only to be the follower of the one true God who offers the one true salvation in the one sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Now, Paul is careful to explain knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Later in the letter to the Corinthians, he said, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So Paul was telling the Corinthians to slow down, to be careful, 
to ask for the stronger in the faith to work with the weaker in the faith that everyone together might grow. So we don't have this problem today. We don't have temples. We don't have the meat that we get from the grocery store already sacrificed to some demon idol. So we don't have this type of problem to face today. But we have other problems that are similar. And that's why this text is so important. How did the answer play out for the Corinthians? It plays out the same way for them as it does for us. We all look for the growth of the faith. Paul said, grow up in him into all things who is the head, Christ. Peter urged, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In the Bible, the strong in faith are never to despise the weaker in faith. But together, they are always to seek the growth of the faith by caring for one another. I see at least two areas of ministry in the church today where this is so very important. The one especially has to do with me and Pastor Packer and all the leaders of our church. It has to do with the ministry of the Word. And the other has to do with our own personal sanctification in the Christian faith. The ministry of the Word involves worship and Bible study especially. And worship is listening to God's Word and responding to God's Word with our prayers. And is the case with worship or Bible study, there's a spectrum from simple to very deep and complex. And as Christians, we have to be careful not to leave the weaker behind. No person should ever come to our worship service and be completely lost in it. At the same time, no person should come to our worship service and expect to understand everything in it because they've come here to grow in their faith in Christ. And so we must have something that meets the needs for everyone, something that meets the needs for the weak as well as that which meets the needs of the strong. Again, with the ultimate goal that we grow together. The same is true in all Bible studies. There are times when I teach things that are very simple and I repeat them over and over and over again. And I have to ask the strong to bear with that and to realize that that's important for some of the people in that Bible study. At the same time, I have to tell the weaker in the faith, the younger, less mature in the faith, you may not understand everything I'm talking about here today. But bear with us. Keep coming. Keep listening because the Christian faith is about growing in Christ. That's one area where we see the issue of food sacrificed to idols very real in the life of the church today. Another is in the area of personal sanctification. Growing churches have both stronger and weaker Christians. If we had only stronger Christians, we'd be a dying church. If we had only weaker Christians, we would be a dying church as well. Sometimes the stronger in the faith complain about the weaker. They don't come to church as much as they should. They don't volunteer as much as they should. They don't help out as much as they should. Let's just get rid of them. At other times, I hear the complaints of the weaker against the stronger. They say, oh, they're all hypocrites at that church. I'm never going to go there. I don't want to hang out with those kinds of people. 
which is often really a deflection away from realizing and admitting to the reality of their weakness, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a bad thing if that's all you want to do is remain a weak Christian. So God calls us to work together, to grow together in Christ. As Paul emphasizes, there is only one God and there is only one Savior, Jesus Christ. And so to the stronger, God would say, pray, set the example, urge the weaker in the faith to grow. And to the weaker, God would also say, pray, follow the example of the others and resist the urge to stay weak and to pass off blamed others. In the Capernaum synagogue, Jesus' fame began to spread. He showed his power over the evil of this world. People who were bound in slavery to sin were now being set free, free from the imaginary gods that have been made up in the minds of men to the one true God, the only one who brings salvation. And with all those great changes in every part of the world, beginning in Galilee and Jerusalem, spreading from town to town, nation to nation, there were growing pains and there were all sorts of difficulties. But all those growing pains were managed, managed by the faith and love of Christ. And that's Paul's word and encouragement for us today as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.